Well, I want to introduce our speaker today. I'm going to invite you to turn to page 30 in your Mark It Up book. Uh, thank you, ushers, for uh, taking up the offering. Uh, but first, uh, I'm going to introduce her husband, Jeff. Jeff is a uh, I, Jeff and I went to Bible college together, but he's a professional musician. He toured all over North America, and now he is on the worship team at the church that his wife pastors. He also uh, trucks for a living. He trucks, so he's away a lot, but he's a great supporter of his wife and a great supporter of the ministry that they have in downtown Hamilton. Patty Miller is the lead pastor of Crossfire Assembly in the urban inner city of, of uh, Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, she's a great leader. I mentioned last week, I have the privilege of serving with Patty. It really is a privilege, right, Patty, to serve on a group of pe- as a group of pastors uh, with people from congregations right across Canada that help give leadership to this movement we're a part of. Uh, Evangel is a part of a movement of 1,100 churches across Canada, the largest evangelical denomination or fellowship, whatever you want to call it. And uh, Patty's one of the leaders that helps give leadership to this. Uh, she's a great friend, a great teacher. I know you're going to enjoy it, but let's put our hands together and let's welcome Patty Miller. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you so much. And what a great day to be in church, isn't it? Yeah, I love um, being with God's people, and I love connecting with other people who are part of God's family all over the place. I just think it's fantastic. Should I do something different, or I'm okay? Okay, I'll just keep talking, and we'll just we'll just keep going. But it's a it's a great day to be in church, and I just love that we're part of the whole body of Christ all around the world. And sometimes I just I picture the planet, and and I go, I wonder what God sees and what the angels see. You know, especially on Sundays, as as the as the planet moves around and the sun comes up in different places, and church after church after church starts raising their praise and worship to God. And I just think it's fantastic to be part of that. Anybody else? That's awesome, right? So um, I just want to say thank you, Pastor Jonathan, for inviting us here. Really nice to be here today. And so great to connect with you this weekend and got to connect with um, Pastor Bill and Sheila this weekend, who um, are one of my heroes for a long time. And so uh, and, and I get to just jump into the middle of your series, this Mark It Up series, which is super cool. So I just want to tell you a little bit about myself first and where I'm going to come from so that you know what's happening. So here's what you need to know. I'm a big believer in using your imagination. Okay, I believe God gave us our imaginations and I believe that when we go to scripture and when we go to God's word, we need to use our minds. We need to use our brains for sure. We need to understand context and you need to, you know, look at original languages when there's an opportunity. You need to understand the big picture of scripture and everything that's happening. But once you've gone through all of that, I think it's super important to use our imaginations and really just just get into scripture, because if we don't do it that way. Then we start approaching scripture as if it's some kind of textbook, right? A how-to book. And all we're interested in is getting to the end and finding out what the moral of the story is. And and the how-to and the therefore at the very end. And I think if we skip too fast to that point, then we start to miss the actual life that is part of the story and part of God's word to us. Because the Bible wasn't written as a textbook. It's written as God's living word to us, his kids, who he loves so much. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you a little bit to use your imaginations this morning. And, um, and I want to make sure that, that we can do that this morning. Is that okay if, if I push you to do that? Because I'm going to, whether it's okay or not. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold out your hands, and we're just going to pray. And to me, I hold out my hands. This is a symbol of openness to God and of just welcoming God in. And so, God, at this moment, we hold out our hands to you, and we open ourselves to your presence and to um, your 
your, the life of your Holy Spirit. And we ask that as we look at your word today, that you, oh God, would just let it read us. Don't let us just read scripture, but let it read us. I ask that you would make our hearts and our souls so open that we would be deeply impacted just by the life that is in scripture this morning. And we ask that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in your books, you've got these great cool books, and it's uh, page 30, I think we're on today. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. And you've been going through this series, and you already know what the context is, everything that's happening. And you know that um, Jesus has been, uh, before this point we get to today, he's been teaching all day. All day. Okay, he's been teaching in a boat. There's been a crowd, and this is where you got to start. You got to start using your imagination because it's been a long day. So Jesus has been in a boat, and he's teaching this crowd. And you got to sort of imagine what that's like, what that looks like, and you can imagine there's probably the smell of fish in the air, right? You're smelling that a little bit, and there's the sounds of of the waves lapping against the boat, and and there's uh, people coming and going, and you could probably hear fishermen over here, or over there, and they're talking about how their day went, how everything went, probably using some, you know, not Sunday appropriate language as they're doing that. And there's probably kids that are coming and going and some babies that are crying or laughing and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus has been working all day with this crowd and in this context, teaching people. And it has been a long day. And tomorrow is going to be a long day too. I'm just giving you a heads up for next week's sermon. The next day is going to be a long day too. And it's going to take a hard left turn at one point. And the disciples don't know that yet, but, but there's going to be, and so it's at the end of this long day and, and they're at the end of it now and there's no bed and breakfast where you can go and grab a shower there's no place where they're gonna they're gonna go into a hotel somewhere and get a really solid night's sleep and a good shower and start off tomorrow with breakfast that's not gonna happen it's it's been this long day of teaching and Jesus has wrapped up his teaching and he's already in the boat and he just gives his disciples a signal and it's time to go and we're just we're just gonna head out we're going out floating across the lake overnight and gonna land in the morning and do some more ministry how many understand it's a long day Okay, so it starts uh, in verse 35. It says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. Say that with me. Just as he was. So he's, there's, no, there's no grabbing a coffee, no change of clothes, nothing. We're just going. And, and, and I get it because he's, he's a little bit tired. I think Jesus is a little bit tired. Uh, I get to, I understand this. I get to take a team from our church to Ukraine every year. We go, we do some missions there and stuff. Usually we spend our days um, in hospitals or in orphanages running programs and stuff there. And then in the evenings, we're going out to different villages and doing services or um, doing in big church and, and preaching and all of that kind of thing. And so it can be a little bit, and I love it. It's fantastic, but it can be a little bit of a long day. And I remember one day, it was one of my early time, one of my first times there. We'd had a long day and then a preaching at night and then you're praying with people at the end and you're doing it through a translator because I don't really speak Russian well enough to to pray with people very well and 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 I was just I was starting to just float away in my head right I was starting to get super tired and I was praying with people and the line never ends and all of a sudden I just felt this arm grab my shoulders and something was said over my shoulder and I just got steered away right and it was my it was my friend Ed Dixon who we travel with and he's the missionary that we connect with and he just grabbed me by the shoulder and there was no there was no arguing there was no Ed I have just a little bit. He goes, nope, you're done. And he took me and he steered me right out of the room. He didn't let go of my shoulders. Somebody else grabbed my stuff. Didn't let go of my shoulders till we were away from the crowd because he knew I was tired and I was done, 
right? And so Jesus has had a long, long day. And, and so they left the crowd, it says, and they left just as he was, and the boat pulls away from shore, and, and we're out of here. And then it says, continuing on in verse 36, and other boats were with him. <laughs> I sigh a little bit at that moment because it says he left the crowd, and I feel like the crowd came along, right? <laughs> and, and, and maybe Jesus was an extrovert and he was fine with that. I'm an introvert, and I would be going, isn't that great that the crowd has decided to join us for our journey across the lake? That's just awesome. And, uh, and so I don't, I don't know if Jesus felt good about that or not. But anyway, he did what I would have done. He went to sleep. He's done. It's not his job to float the boat. And, and when they get on the other side, he's got a plan. There's going to be ministry. He's been on all day working. And, and when, you, when you're going like that, you just grab sleep whenever you can. And you, and you withdraw a little bit. And that's what I think Jesus was doing. And, you know, you go, well, Patty, God doesn't get tired. I agree. He doesn't. But people do. And Jesus was human as well as God. And, and I think we see him often all through the scripture withdrawing from time to time pulling back, taking some time to pray, taking some time to sleep. And I'm so glad that he models for us that it's okay to take a break sometimes. And so, so Jesus, the disciples aren't the ones, they're not doing the teaching, so maybe they're not so tired. It's their job to work the boat. It's their job to get them to the other side. So he's letting them do what they do. And he goes into the stern and grabs a cushion and he goes to sleep and he is out cold. Okay. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. How many took it? No, that it took longer to fill up that boat, took longer for that to happen than just that two seconds it took to read that, right? The storms can come up really quickly. I know that. I, I, I grew up in southern Ontario, southwestern Ontario, right near Lake Erie, which is a, a lake that can just whip up into a storm really quickly. And when that happens, you everybody knows you get to shore because people can die out there. But it takes a little bit longer than the two seconds it takes to read that verse. And so you have to, you have to use your imagination again, right? So, so I picture um, there, there's a change in the sky that happened, first of all. And maybe some clouds roll across and they block the moon and the, they block the sun a little bit. And the temperature changes. You can feel that drop in temperature. And you can feel the air changing a little bit as the, you know, the humidity and the, and the barometric pressure starts to come. And then, and then the wind starts picking up and it starts blowing. And, and these guys, they're fishermen, most of them, some of them. And they, they know this. They get it. They understand what's happening. They know what to do. They get focused. They start making extra adjustments wherever it's necessary. They're hollering over to the guys in the other boats, making sure everything's going good and one boat to another. And then it starts getting louder and the wind starts picking up louder. And now it's getting really hard. You can't hear the people in the other boat anymore. You can't quite communicate with them anymore. And then all of a sudden, you know, the rain just hits and you're soaked through in no time. And, and the water's churning and you realize again, you're just this little boat bobbing on something that's this force of nature that can kill you if you don't know how to handle it. And now the water's starting to come into the boat and it's not just rain, it's a wave comes over the side and you hope it's just the one wave, but no, another one comes from the other side and the boat is starting to fill up. And, and one guy nearly loses his balance. He's trying to grab onto something to hang on. And then the waves start coming in from all directions. And verse 30, 38 says, but Jesus was in the stern asleep on the cushion. Remember I said he was out cold? Okay. So put yourself in the disciples' shoes at this moment. It's, it's loud. 
It's hard to see. It's dark. They're moving quickly from what is an intense situation that they're used to into a situation that is terrifying, where they're afraid they might die. And how many know that sometimes fear, when you're afraid, that can come out as anger, right? And, and, and sometimes, if, like if, you, if your kid, your little kid wanders away or something and you don't know where they are, and for one minute you think they're lost, and then they come back and go, don't, you, don't do that to me again, right? And they think you're mad, and really it's just your fear that's coming out. And, and sometimes when you're in the worst crisis of your life and you're losing it and you feel like your best friend or your spouse, they're not really getting it, and so you kind of tell them off, not because you feel they can fix it, but it would be just awesome if they would freak out a little bit alongside of you, right? And so fear sometimes can come out as anger, and so this is what happens. So it says, Jesus is in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? That's a little harsh. That's, that's a little tough, but they're scared. And it comes out harsh and it comes out angry. They had tried to solve it themselves because they know Jesus is tired. They know it's their job to get the boat to the other side. And so by the time they ask for help, they are freaking out. So they've been running around. They've been trying to handle this crisis. They've been trying. Their adrenaline is going. Their fear is rising. They can't get a grip on things. And, you know, it would just be awesome if Jesus, you know, who's somehow asleep through all of this, would. how could he not know what's happening? We know he's tired. But wouldn't it be great if he'd just come up and maybe, you know, help bail out the boat a little bit? It'd be fantastic if he would come and help. And so they finally go in, and Jesus is sleeping, probably snoring. It doesn't say that in the Greek, but maybe snoring. And that sends them over the edge a little bit. Don't you care that we're dying? Now put yourself in Jesus' shoes. He's been teaching all day. He's been spent all day, and then they skedaddle without even a change of clothes, no coffee, which is serious suffering, in my opinion. And and he knows there's going to be work to be done on the other side. He knows that's going to happen. He's tired. He needs a little space, and he falls asleep because the disciples, they got it under control, and he's sound asleep. And the next thing he knows, somebody is shaking him, and it's not gentle, and he, he opens his eyes, and Philip and Andrew are leaning over a little too closely, and Andrew's over here in the doorway trying not to glare, but it's not working. His anger is leaking out. And, and, and the, one of them is going, don't you even care that we're dying? And it says in verse 39, and he awoke. No kidding. Right? It's not like he had a choice. And can I just say, it's probably commendable at that point that he didn't say anything to them. I probably would have at that moment. But he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He wakes up to this craziness, figures out what's happening, stands up, looks at the storm, and goes, Shh! And it does. And, and then he looks at the disciples who are silent now, and bug-eyed. They're, they're frozen. They're, they're really not even breathing. And you know, sometimes, often, Jesus is so gentle in the way he interacts with people. 
so gentle. He, he, um, scriptures talk about him weeping over Jerusalem, and scriptures talk about him wanting to gather people like chicks under, you know, under his wings like a hen would, and, and he, he interacts, he's, you know, loves little kids, puts them on his lap, and he treats women with this unbelievable courtesy and honor, and he tells stories to help people understand, and most of the time, Jesus is just so gentle. This is not one of those times He looks at them, and it says in verse 40, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Wakes up out of a dead sleep, goes at the storm, turns to his disciples who aren't even breathing, and goes, what? What? Why are you so afraid? Don't you have, do you still have no faith? It's not gentle. It's a little bit crusty. A little bit what I would call grumpy. Just a t- and the text doesn't say this, but this is my imagination at work. The text doesn't say this, but I'm pretty sure he didn't even bother waiting for an answer. He just went back to the stern in his cushion and went back to sleep. That's what I think happened. And verse 41, and they were filled with great fear. Oh, I bet they were. <laughs> and said to one another, who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. It's a pretty sobering moment for them. There's no high fives or fist pumps. Yeah, wasn't that awesome? Just this mind-blowing thing for the disciples of, so that just happened. And their minds are racing frantically, trying to make it all make sense, and it does not make sense. They know this lake. They know what storms on this lake can do. They know what they're supposed to do. They know how they're supposed to react. The fear, the, the danger was real. Their fear was valid that they were feeling that was a real thing, and they know that nobody stands up and tells a storm to shh, and it does. That does not happen. The only way that this happens, these are good Jewish boys, they've been raised with the stories, they know that the only time somebody could tell nature what to do and it obeys is when God is at work. That's the only time. They know, they've been raised on the stories, they've been raised, they've heard the stories a million times of, of the Israelites and when they came out of Egypt and were set free from Egypt and Moses led them out and then they were facing the Red Sea and the soldiers are behind and the ocean's in front and all of a sudden, you know, Moses just parted the water and God walked them across on dry land and they've heard that story a gazillion times and all of a sudden, right in this moment, they believe it. Because they just saw something like that, something along the same lines. It just happened again. And, and, and suddenly, they're sitting there, and they go, who is this? Who is this? He just shushed nature. Only God can tell nature what to do. Who is, is that God? Do we Sleeping in the corner? God's in the boat. And what on earth do you do with that? I think you just stop talking and keep paddling while your brain tries to figure it out. 
So I have two thoughts that come out of that as I let scripture read me through that whole thing. You can write this down if you want. This is why you got these great books to write stuff down. But two thoughts that, that I had, and they're, they're pretty profound. So <laughs> I think you probably want. Here's the first one. Hold up your finger. Go, this is the first one. Okay, here's the first one. Maybe they should have gone to Jesus sooner. Maybe they should have gone to Jesus. You know, they didn't have to wait until the moment of we're going to die before they asked him for help. They, he was right there. And, and I don't know if they thought, well, it's our job to take care of this. Jesus is tired. We have to do, this is our responsibility. This is our job. We shouldn't be asking for help. I don't know if they were ashamed at their inability to handle the whole thing. I don't know if they were afraid that he was going to condemn them and he was going to go, man, I gave you one job to do and you couldn't even do that, right? I don't know if they were afraid that that, I don't know if they felt stupid. Maybe he's going to be disappointed in them and he's going to think that they're weak and he's going to think they're incompetent. But, you know, because followers of Jesus, we're a funny bunch. We say that we rely entirely on God's help. But really, our goal is to not need it right? Oh, I'm relying on God's help, but we don't want to need it. We want to be able to do it ourselves. We want to be able to figure it out. And I want you to notice what Jesus' words were. He said, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? He's not frustrated that they asked for help. That's not bothering him. He's not mad that they woke him up, although it wasn't his gentlest moment. Okay, he's frustrated that they didn't trust him. He's, he's frustrated that they didn't exercise their faith and ask for help as soon as they needed it. They, that he's frustrated that they let fear direct their actions, and it came out as anger and all of that kind of stuff. He's frustrated that they let fear direct their actions instead of faith in the one who was right there right there. And how many know that so many times in a storm or in a crisis, it takes us forever to pray. We talk about praying. We tell people we're going to pray. We ask other people to pray. We hand in a prayer request for the prayer teams to pray for. And we do all of those things, but it takes us forever to actually step out ourselves and go, God, I need help and pray ourselves and ask God for help we just keep trying to handle it and inside we're getting more and more fearful and more and more irritated that God doesn't seem to care where is he and so we keep handling ourselves and it's getting worse and where is God anyway we're getting more and more frustrated and the thing is he's right there he's in the boat just ask him we don't we don't actually have to wait until the moment when we're about to die to ask God for help we, that, we don't have to just blurt out this frantic prayer at the last second that is half telling God off and half begging for help, although we can, and he does answer those prayers. But we don't have to wait until that moment. God answers prayers earlier in, in the crisis. And it's the funniest thing because here these disciples have listened to Jesus teach all day. And they've heard him teach on weeks and months. They've, they've heard all the things. They're probably considering themselves pretty knowledgeable in, in how, what Jesus says. They're experts in the teaching that Jesus gives. They know what, but when the crisis hit and when the storm happened, 
it all just goes out the window. They just, they just forgot everything that he said. They forget everything they've seen and heard. They try to solve it themselves. They go into a blind panic, and then they turn around and they accuse God of not caring. It's like there's this disconnect between what they've been taught and real life. Kind of like what happens sometimes in a disconnect between Sunday in church and Tuesday afternoon at work. Not to any of you, right? But to other followers of Jesus. We don't have to wait till the very last moment to ask God for help. Maybe, maybe they should have gone to him sooner. Here's my second thought. Hold up your fingers. Here's the second one. Don't ever forget who you're dealing with. That's God in that boat. That's God in that boat, in our lives, on that journey with us. Just whisper that with me. God. God. That's God in that boat. The one who made the whole universe. The one who is infinite and all-powerful and all-knowing and eternal. He's God. Giving grace, all kinds of patience, helping us, all of those things. Yes, absolutely. But he's still, say it with me, God. Who is this? It's God. In the storm, Lord of the storm, and Lord of that boat. And if that isn't just a little bit terrifying, I don't know what is. Because the God of the universe is not in the boat in order to serve me and my boat. That's not why he's there. Jesus was not floating around in a boat, letting the disciples go wherever they wanted and letting them set the direction and, 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 and set the guidance, all that. He was the one saying where they were going next. It was him. And he was the one making it possible to get there, even in a storm. You tracking? And they just figured out why he's the one giving directions. Because he's God. And it might be their boat. But he's the one directing it. He's the one directing it. They're part of his plan. They're part of his purpose. They're part of his direction. And he has invited them to be a part of it. You know, sometimes we think of, of God in the boat, which sounds a little like Jack in the Box. But anyway, sometimes we think of God in the boat as some sort of like little tool or a help that we call on just for a crisis. And then we go, well, thanks, God. Thank you. Appreciate that. Was in a bit of a crisis there. Got a little angry. Sorry about that. And thank you for your help. Really appreciate it. That's good. You just go, you're fine, and I'll just keep on running the show now. I'm going to keep going back to the way I do things. That's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm just going to follow my own direction because, after all, it's my boat. It's my life. And I'm the one that gets to set the direction. So I'd love to have you come along. Bail me out when I need it. Maybe give me some wisdom along the way. And, and that would be, sometimes that's, how many know that's not how it works? Right? It's not how it works. There's a reason that we're called followers of Jesus. Because he's the one leading. Because he's the one who's God. And it might be my boat. And it might be my life. But once God is in the boat, 
He's the Lord of that boat. Lord of the storm. And Lord of my life. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads at this moment. And I just want to, I ask you to do that because it helps to give a little bit of privacy and gives us a moment to just let this read us and sink in and that kind of a thing. And, and I just want to talk to you for a minute. And I want to hit on a couple of things. So bow your heads. Would you close your eyes? It's going to help you to focus a little bit. And, and here's what I, I want to say to you. Some of you might be here this morning and you might be in a bit of a storm, a lot of a storm. And it's a real storm. It's valid that you're afraid or that you're struggling. Some people will tell you, no, no, it's fine. I want you to know there are storms in which you can die sometimes. And it's hard. And you might be a tiny bit freaking out in this storm that you're in or this crisis that you're in. And you're wondering if God even knows or if he cares. And, and maybe everybody knows what the storm is, or maybe nobody knows what the storm is, but you've been trying to handle it yourself, and it's not working. I mean, marriage is one fight after another. Or the politics at work are just about to do you right in. They're about to sink you. Or your child is struggling with something, and you don't know how to help them. Or your finances are a mess and nobody knows and the debt's piling up and you don't know, you don't know what you're going to do. Somehow it's become monstrous and you know you should be handling it. And you know that everybody thinks you should be handling it and it's embarrassing that you can't. And, and all you're trying to do is just bail water out and you're trying to hang on in a storm and you're afraid you're going to die. If that's you, can I invite you, hold your hands out if it helps, and whisper the most profound prayer of all, help. That's it. Just whisper that right now. Help. God, I need help. Because I want you to know he's right there in the boat with you. And he might be just waiting for you to ask. Help. you might be today in a different spot and you might be looking at this God that you have been checking out or that you've invited into your life and you've been sort of following and you just realized that's God I invited into my boat that's God and up until now You've been glad to have him along. You, you think Jesus has got some, you know, he's got some good teachings. And he's handy to have in a storm. But in general, up till now, it's still your boat. And it's still your life. And you're the one doing the directing. And maybe today, there's a possibility that you're coming to this uncomfortable realization that that's actually God in your boat. And he's not there to serve your purposes. He's there to invite you to serve his. And he's waiting to hear from you. And he's the Lord of the storm. But when the storm is over, is he still Lord of the boat? Who's setting the direction? There's a reason that we're called followers of Jesus. 
And some of us need to clear that up this morning. And so if that's you, hold out your hands if it helps. And whisper this prayer, be the Lord of my boat. Be the Lord of my life. It's my boat, but you can direct it. Just whisper that prayer. And so our God, in the name of Jesus, you know, there are people here, God, who are in desperate need of help. They're in the middle of a storm and they need help. And I don't know the answer. They don't know the answer. But you do. And I'm asking you, Jesus, there are people here this morning who whispered a prayer, help. I'm asking you to help. I'm asking you, oh God, to pour in healing and, and financial help and wisdom and relationship help and work help and all of those in all those places where people are just going, I, I think I might die here. I'm asking you to pour life into that place. Help. And God, I pray um, for those of us this morning who just got a little bit uncomfortable going, oh my goodness, I didn't really think about it, that it's God that I've invited in. And God, you know, it's a big step for us to go, okay, you lead the boat. I'm asking God, you wouldn't let us forget that prayer we just prayed this morning. That you would keep elbowing us and reminding us that you're the Lord of the boat. You're the Lord of the storm, but you're also the Lord of our lives. And I'm asking you, God, that you would take that lordship and you would take that place and you would guide us and lead us and show us where to go and how to live and help us to follow you with everything that's in us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor John.